This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul on a Friday afternoon. Welcome, welcome to the Hilchos Shabbos slot. It's so nice to have you, to have you on, on board. Um, well, welcome for, for join, for, for, welcome to, for joining us. We'd like, it's really wonderful to have you all. I hope you had a wonderful week in, uh, hasn't been too, too uh, cold a uh, Johannesburg, but uh, um, but uh, we're good to be here. It's uh, again an uh, Erev Shabbos and a very special Erev Shabbos because this week is not only uh, Shabbat Pashas Koyrach, it's also Rosh Chodesh. We're actually going to be going into Chodesh Tammuz, which uh, means if it's Rosh Chodesh Tammuz, the good news is that uh, it's three months till to Rosh Hashanah, so we're going already steadily uphill to 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 Rosh Hashanah, and in fact, you know, the whole year has turned. Uh, Shabbos this week uh, ends already at five fifty nine. It's already uh, two weeks, two minutes, two weeks, two minutes later, and it's starting at five oh eight. So you know, summer is coming, even though we haven't even gotten really cold yet. We haven't. We don't even know what winter is yet, but we're already going. Towards towards uh, summer, and it's wonderful to to have you with us. Just uh, as usual, a little uh, introductory idea on the uh, on on the parsha um, this week. As we said, is is Pasha's Korach, which is really a kind of a sad a sad story, a tragic story about a a person who really really was. A great person, a person who's really uh, had amazing, amazing potential to be something really uh, a wonderful, to be an amazing leader in in the Jewish nation, and and how it all went kind of pear shaped for for him. You know, and there's a just a interesting to talk a little bit about about uh, what it was. You know, these the there is a a verse in in Mishlei uh, which says. Uh, if someone relies too heavily <coughs> on his wealth, who you pull? He's going to he's going to fall. He's not going to be able to maintain his status uh, if he relies too much on his on his wealth. And and the Medrash, the Yalkut there in, in Mishlei tells us that who who is this person that relied too much on on his wealth and and believed too much in his wealth? So this uh, this is refer, referring to. To uh, to Korach, uh, who who because of his wealth lost lost uh, lost everything, and the the uh, the Chassam Seifer in his in his uh, in one of his in one of his form on, on on the Torah asks that what really what's what's the connection? I mean we we understand Paro as being someone who argued with Moshe, who challenged Moshe Rabbeinu's authority. As 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 the leader, where where does his wealth really come to play a a major role in uh, in in all of this? How does how does it fit? How does it fit together? So the Chassam Sofer explains it based on on a Gemara in uh, in Gittin. The Gemara says that <clears throat> there were three outstanding people in three different periods of of the Jewish history. They're outstanding. Their standingness, if that's words I should exist, if not, I made it up, uh, 
existed in the fact, as Gemara calls it, they were Torah u'gedula b'makom echad. They were the greatest Tamidich hachamim, the 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 rabbinic, this this scholastic Torah geniuses, leaders of their time, and u'gedula. They were also the wealthiest uh, people at, at in in their in their period. And those three were, Gemara says, Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the wealthiest at his at his time, uh, and from him, Gemara says, there was no one <coughs> as wealthy and as great as him until we got to Rabbi Yehud HaNasi, Rabbeinu HaKadosh. He also, at his time, was the greatest uh, 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 Talmudic leader and also the most wealthy person. And... From Rebbe's time, there was no one so wealthy and so great until we get to the period of Rav Ashi, who was uh, also the uh, the greatest the greatest sage at his time, and also the the wealthiest person. Torah Gedula b'Malkam Echad, and uh, and Rashi explains, hey, yeah, that uh, the, he was the greatest Tamachacham and the greatest and the and the wealthiest <coughs> and the wealthiest. Uh, Person, the Chassan Seifer brings down that the Maram Shif says on this. It's interesting that it's particularly these three people who had this special status because <coughs> they all came at the very, very end of a particular of a particular period of, of or, or even better, a, a, a time of the completion, the time of, of making a sium almost on a particular area. Of of Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu completed and and handed over to us the the Torah Shpiksav, the the written the written Torah, and Rabbi Yudanosi was responsible for compiling and putting together the Mishnah, which was the end of the of the Tanaic really a uh, uh, period, and Ravashi of course was one of the authors and and completed the uh, the writing of the Talmud of the. Of the uh, of the Gemara, and therefore he says, anyone who is able to uh, be instrumental in completing and bringing to fruition and bringing to to its finality a a section of the of the Torah, that in such a way that he is the definitive last word that no one can argue about, and this he is the final authority in that uh, in that uh, in that area. So that person needs to have a status, needs to have a position that is unassailable, that is unquestionable, that he is the greatest person and he is the most respected by those who respect wealth and power in that he is that person that has, that has, uh, that has everything. And, and, uh, in order to, to, to carry it off, in order to be able to, to, uh, uh, do what they did, they needed that, that kind of a, uh, that kind of a, a, a position, and it says that that that's that's what the Ma'ariv Ma'ariv says. So the Chassam Sefer uh, uh, explains about this. That this then gives us a little bit of an understanding about the the argument of of Koyrach against against Moshe Rabbeinu. We know that Koyrach himself was a very very wealthy. Very, very wealthy person. We'll talk just in a second about uh, what that wealth was and where it came from. And therefore, he actually thought that he might even have been more wealthy 
than than Moshe Rabbeinu. I mean, just to get an extent of his wealth, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says that uh, that uh, he had three hundred white donkeys just to carry the keys for his various safes and and uh, and safety deposit boxes. Um, why white donkeys? I mean, the Gemara says elsewhere that. Uh, uh, if a white donkey uh, kicks you, uh, your 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 life expectancy goes down to to uh, to naught. So he had his own built-in uh, security system, also for the keys. I mean, you know, just gives you an, uh, an idea of what of what kind of wealth he has, and therefore he actually thought that he was even wealthier than Moshe Rabbeinu, and he was a picard. The one says he was a very he was a very very clever person. And therefore, he he argued that who says that the concept of Torah and Gedula apply by to Moshe Rabbeinu? Maybe in fact it applies to to him, and he should have the authority. He should be the one that should be able to to finish off to finish off the uh, the the Torah. And therefore, he has he had the right to argue Moshe Rabbeinu is not the definitive last word on Torah. He's also. Gavr. He's also someone with with great uh, with something to say, and therefore he had a right to argue on uh, against the Torah of of uh, of Meishabim. What's interesting to just uh, deal with a second is where did where did Karach get such wealth from? How how was he privy to to uh, to such wealth? So there is there is a Gemara in Sanhedrin that that talks about that he found. One of the treasures that that Yosef hid away in Mitzrayim, but I saw recently the commentary of the Sifsei uh, Koyim, which uh, I had never seen before, and therefore I thought it would share with you. Um, he writes that when Moshe Rabbeinu instructed the Jewish nation to uh, to go and and borrow from the Egyptians prior to their exodus from Egypt. Go to the Egyptians and borrow their silver and, and gold and, 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 and garments. So that command was intended for the Jewish nation. And, and it really was a kind of a, a compensation, as, as the Gemara later on uh, relates when, when, the, uh, when the Egyptians came to, to sue the Jews for the return. So it came out that the money they took was, in fact, payment, salary for you know, a labor force of 600,000 people that had worked for, for over 200, uh, over 200 years and, you know, worked that on dollars and cents. And, and this was a, a, a mere token of what the Egyptians uh, owed them. But the only people that were eligible to take that money, to earn that compensation, were people who, in fact, had worked. And we're told that the the tribe of Levi, Shevet Levi, did not actually uh, uh, were not actually slaves. Did not actually uh, have the kind of hard labor, the avodas porech that the that they were sort of the the even then the spiritual leaders of the Jewish nation. And and they they never they never originally volunteered to work for Paro and therefore never got roped into it and never became became slaves. Therefore, he says, they were not entitled at all uh to to the uh to the to the compensation. Um but and therefore and therefore he says Shevet Levi did not have any wealth. He wants to say, interesting, that that's why 
the tribe of Levi wasn't involved even in the in the bringing of the Korbanot that we learned about in Parashat Naso, where the 12 Nesim of the 12 tribes each had an opportunity to bring uh, 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 offerings and, and, and uh, contributions for the dedication of the Mishkan. And Shevet Levi was not involved. He says it's because Shevet Levi were destitute. They had no money. They had they hadn't they hadn't participated either in the in the uh, quest of of taking wealth from the Egyptians in Egypt, nor had they taken from the uh, from the bizatayam from the uh, from the wealth that the Egyptians left at the at the on the banks of the of the Reed, of the Reed Sea. And therefore, to bring gold uh, spoons and and all kinds of expensive things and animals, it was actually not within the capability of the Levium to uh, to do it. They they were they were destitute. However, he says there was one person, and that was Kerach. He saw all the other Yidden gathering the silver and gold, both in uh, in Egypt and. By the by the yam, so he also desired to have it, and uh, that in fact is what the uh, the, the brings the the medrash in, in Breshis Rabbah that says that there were two very very wealthy people in the world. One was a Jew, and one was not. The Jew was Kairach, he was the Jew, and Haman was the incredibly wealthy person who was non-Jewish. And both of them uh, lost their lives. Both of them disappeared from this world. Why, says the Medrash? Because uh, they did not, uh, they their gift, their wealth, did not come from Hashem, but they grabbed it. They 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 uh, they chapped their 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 own wealth uh, illegally and unlawfully, and therefore it didn't sustain them or. Uh, or uh, anybody else, and we said that uh, that uh, his wealth was was uh, was amazing. Uh, how much how much it was, but at the end of the day, uh, says the uh, says this is uh, Since this money that Kairach had amassed was actually theft, was uh, uh, arrived in his hands uh, illegally and unjustifiably. So therefore, uh, what actually happened was that neither he nor anybody else could actually benefit from it and all of it got swallowed up into into the earth together with uh, with uh, with him at the same time when he was when he was uh, when he was swallowed and and that that uh, that's the unfortunate that's the really unfortunate part of 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 uh, of Kairach, you know, that that he had such such ability but but he allowed himself to be to be distorted. I mean, uh, so uh, brought down. They asked the the Balatanya when he was when he was a child. That, uh, um, where is there a pasuk in the Torah that begins and ends with the same the same word? And he answered, "Well, that's easy. It was the last pasuk in in Parshat uh, in Parshat Shlach uh, Lecha, which starts with Ani Hashem Lekechem, carries on Asher Tzeit Yitchem Eretz Yot Lachem Lakim, Ani Hashem Lekechem begins and ends. And my Shabbenu said, and he said, and my Shabbenu didn't say didn't say Emes. And then it comes a whole discussion as to you know, uh, Allah says that." The way we do it is we, when we say Shema, we're not allowed to make any interruption between the word Elokechem 
and uh, and MS. Why? Because in Yirmiya, there's a poskah says Hashem Elokim MS, and therefore we have to join them, join them together. And and so obvious question is then why don't we we have it in in the Torah? Why doesn't the Torah end with the word MS? And uh, why don't you? Know, uh, why is it not? Not there. If we actually say it, then why is it not in 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 the Torah? So uh, uh, they say, explain because since the end of uh, Parsha Pashalach is joined straight away to the beginning of Kairach, if we had the last word of the uh, Parsha of uh, Shalach as being as being emet and connect to Kairach, that might give the wrong the wrong message. And unfortunately, Kairach was was great great ability, great potential, but he allowed himself to be to be diverted. We're gonna do some Hilda Shabbos in a minute, but stay tuned, we're gonna take a short break. This is one one point nine high FM, Soul to Soul on the greatest radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul on Friday afternoon, Erev Shabbos, Pashas Kerach. Just in case uh, you weren't listening to the first segment, so the details for the Shabbos are Shabbos Kodesh begins today, candlelight no later than eight minutes past five, five oh eight, and Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 5.59. As I said, tomorrow is the first day of Rosh Chodesh. Thomas, so we'll get to say a Hallel, and there's a special Maftir and Haftarah, and don't forget the special Musaf that we say on, on, on Rosh Chodesh. Uh, Rosh Chodesh continues also on Sunday, so it's a whole Rosh Chodesh weekend, uh, Shabbos and, and Sunday, which, uh, yeah, just adds that extra dimension of speciality of, of, uh, of holiness to, uh, to, uh, to the, to the Shabbos and to all that, uh, it comes, it comes, uh, with it. So we were talking last, last time, uh, about the things that one is allowed to speak about, uh, on, uh, on, on Shabbos. So we, the last thing we we're talking about was uh, what things are you or aren't you allowed to read on on uh, on Shabbos? Very very important uh, discussion because uh, you know reading is something we do so much of it, so much part of our of our lives that we that we need to know what we can and can't. So the the halacha says that. Uh, if you have any kind of uh, documents or, or legal kind of uh, contracts, those are forbidden to read on on Shabbos. Let's say uh, you have an IOU; someone uh, owes you owes you money. You can't read. You cannot read that on uh, on uh, on Shabbat or uh, documents of sale or purchase where you've written contracts to. To do a transaction, all those kind of things, or to look at your at your bank statements, those are all forbidden to look at uh, at Shabbos, or not even bank statements, but let's say uh, your statements on the council for for electricity or for or for water, all those all those kind of uh, all those kind of things. Uh, you cannot look at uh, advertisement boards. You know, to see the prices of uh, of goods that are being that are being uh, that are being offered, 
uh, or or even to look at the shop windows where things are being offered and, and prices are there. All of that is uh, is uh, forbidden because that's that's basically uh, weekday activities. And if you look at those things or you read those kind of things, you're involving yourself. You're getting busy in weekday type uh, things, and that you cannot do on. Uh, on uh, on Shabbos that uh, was brought down in Rishon, the, the the Rosh brings that down uh, uh, explicitly. Uh, furthermore, he adds the uh, adds the Rambam. Uh, another reason why uh, reading these type of things is is forbidden because we always have to be worried that maybe if you start reading them, so that's going to lead your mind, oh, let me let me work out how cheap this is. One second. Uh, this is a, the two-liter item instead of the one-liter item. Is it actually cheaper, says the Rambam, and you could very, very well come to write something down or to erase something, and that's, that would mamish be a, a uh, malacha on, uh, on, on, on Shabbat. Now, the, the Rambam is very, very strict about this, and the Rambam, in fact, says that on Shabbos, you're actually only allowed to read, uh, the very Kurdish things that are, that are, that are, are Svarim, that are Torah, that are Ruchnius. You're, you're really not allowed to read anything that, that connects you to, to matters of, of, of the physical world, of, of the, of the normal mundane, of the more of the mundane world. And of course, the the uh, the reason is, but any he says any other type of of uh, mundane reading, be it professional reading, being it be it scientific reading, be it any anything other than than uh, Devar Hashem, is also to to read. And he says he specifically even to learn the sciences, even to learn the great the great seven wisdoms of of the world is forbidden. On, on Shabbos. Why? Because those are things we do on weekday. That's our normal weekday speciality to be involved in all these things. And on Shabbos, one is not supposed to behave as one does on, uh, on, on weekday. And again, he's worried if you start studying things and you write things down, you'll make notes, you have questions, you make calculations. That is all forbidden, he says, on, uh, on, on, uh, on Shabbos. So therefore, he's, he comes out very, very uh, uh, strongly uh, against any type of involvement, almost anything, on 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 Shabbos. But the truth is, practically speaking, we conduct ourselves like most of the other uh like most of the other halach authorities, which includes uh, Rashi and uh, and the Rosh, uh, that they they all hold that the prohibition is. Uh, only to read, only to involve yourself directly with things that are business or or calculations. To get involved with things that that would, by almost necessity, involve that kind of an endeavor of of, uh, of uh, making calculations, making lists uh, of, uh, of of business type things. They they uh, those things are, are forbidden. But in order that we shouldn't come to read these kind of things, these uh, business type things, these these uh, 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 calculations that that are very problematic because they are they are weekday activities. So therefore, uh, uh, the Chachamim 
added on and made a made a gzera, made a fence around that to to strengthen the the uh, the issue, and and they forbade us also to read any kind of weekday, any kind of mundane uh, uh, activity which doesn't have some value to us, but something which although. It's it's uh, let's call it non-religious or you know, secular in in content, but has some value. It has it teaches some kind of an ideal. It, it's something that that can challenge the mind and and get the person way get a person thinking at least in some positive way. That it's not it's not a total just a a a, a banal read that has no no purpose and no and no uh, inspiration and no no challenge for us. So those things uh, we are uh, allowed to read on on Shabbos. Let's say, uh, for example, um, things that uh, would somehow be helpful to you physically to read about. Uh, I don't know diet or or, or, or things uh, or things like that or you know uh, keeping a, a nutrition and 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 uh, exercise and things and and try to explain why it is that if you do exercise you lose weight even though you only burn 250 calories and if you have one coke after that you probably have more calories than you and you lost on the activity and yet you know, those kind of things that that uh, that have that have real uh, uh, real, real, real value for 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 you. Those you would be allowed to do on uh, on uh, on 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 Shabbos. Right. We're going to come back with our closing segment momentarily, but it's time for us to go for a moment to the shops. Please don't run away. This is Soul to Soul on one one point nine FM. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. 101.9 Chai FM. We are back here on your radio, here on, on Chai FM, whether you're at home, whether you're in your kitchen, whether you're still in your car, whether you're in South Africa or listening on the Internet. Maybe it's just uh, some misguided uh, thing. Maybe there is someone even overseas, you know, hi, you know, uh, who, who's, uh, who's actually tuned in to, to our program. It's wonderful to have, you, to have you on board. We are talking about the things that you're allowed to read on on Shabbos. So the last thing we said was that we hold that things that are of some benefit, some value, some uh, positive uh, input of information to to a person that's not directly related to to business, such as things that are, are related to to uh, to uh, you know food and, and and nutrition. You can even read the labels on on uh, on packaging if you, that somehow inspires inspires. Uh, uh, are you and uh, one can read uh, according to many one can read various kinds of of uh, different sciences different uh, different disciplines uh, which are interesting which are which are compelling which uh, which will help a person grow and know more about uh, about the world that we uh, that we live in um, but uh, however though it's limited to those things that have some positive purpose to just read a uh, you know kind of a a no-brainer kind of novel where you just get the pleasure of just uh, reading it but there's no no real gain uh, for for uh, for it um 
So that uh, just just stories like that, which have no which have no purpose, no positive value for you, those are forbidden to be read on uh, on Shabbos. But if someone really enjoys that kind of thing, and he, uh, a thriller for him is literally a thriller, he really uh, in, enjoys that. So the Alchus says you can you can do that uh, 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 on a short term basis, but obviously not uh, not. Uh, not the whole Shabbos, because Chazal never, never uh, decreed that that type of reading, which gives a person pleasure, would be would be totally forbidden on uh, on Shabbos, unless it's something that obviously uh, smacks of business content or that type of thing. In which case, we we, we will not we will not allow it on uh, on, uh, on 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 Shabbos. Um, right. Uh, let's say, but other, other, uh, other kind of uh, st- stories that that are sad, that cause a person to be upset, that make a person, you know, uh, that are sort of heart wrenching kind of things or get you worried. Those things, Mishnah Bur brings down that kind of thing. You should not read on. Uh, on, on Shabbos, because uh, Shabbos one's supposed to be in a state of mind, in a positive, upbeat, connected state of mind, and 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 sadness is exactly the the opposite of that, and therefore we don't want to get involved uh, uh, of that uh, also. Um, however, if one's reading, let's say, a Jewish history book or or you know incidents that took place in our in our very very checkered uh, past, which can sometimes. Be very, very sad. We learn about the persecution of the Jewish nation and all their various uh, sufferings we've gone through throughout throughout the uh, the the millennium, and and the terrible things that happened to great people, great people's suffering. That is allowed to one is allowed to read because that is uh, uh, very, very uh, helpful in 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 both in our Torah learning and and teaching us teaching us Musa. But uh, obviously, uh, one should try rather to learn things that make a person happy, that give a person joy, that make a person, uh, uh, you know, connect to Hashem and Estera on on a on a on a happier level on uh, on uh, on Shabbos. Um, if there are articles of of you know of intelligent uh, conversation, even in newspapers, one would be allowed to, to read that, but most of the things uh, we don't read on Shabbos, but I, I'm going to come back and uh, address that more, more fully, please God, uh, next next week. Uh, for those who are you know, sort of breaking up school and have the opportunity to to have a holiday this week, we wish you a wonderful holiday. But to the rest of you, just thank you so much for being part of our radio family, for being part of what goes on here at Chai FM, both on a Friday and all the other days of the week. There's so much good content, so much uh, intelligent stuff coming out of your radio that you should make the effort to to join at least those type of uh, those type of discussions that you are inspired, you are enriched by it, and it's just my last parting words to wish each and every one of you a, a Shabbat Shalom and, and a good Chodesh, and please God may this month of Tammuz, although of course it ushers in later in the month, the beginning of the three weeks, may be a month of of meaning, of growth, of development, of satisfaction, of health, and of being together with friends, family, and those who can make you into better Jews. Thank you for listening. Shabbat Shalom and 
You have been listening to 101.9 High FM. Good Shabbos.